Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Cavalry Audio. I'm Clint Emerson and welcome to season two of Can You Survive This Podcast? Where the interview is just as dangerous as the scenarios I put my guests through. From hostage situations to natural disasters, carjackings, active shooters, and more, if you're looking for the skills necessary to survive these situations, then this is the show for you. Another episode of Can You Survive This Podcast with me, Clint, and today's guest has created and illustrated comic books and graphic novels for all major publishers. Titles he's worked on that I'm sure you've heard of is Batman, Martian, Manhunter, Firestorm, Shazam, and his acclaimed five-year run with The Spectre for DC Comics. The New Mutants, The Punisher, Weapon X, Wolverine, uh, The Hulk Unchained for Marvel Comics, Grim Jack for First Comics, X-Files, and the list just goes on and on and on. Today, we have professional illustrator Tom Mandrake. Hey, Tom. How you doing, buddy? All right, Clint. How about you? Good, man. I'm glad you're here. And I got to say, uh, obviously, my favorite things you've worked on were The Right Kind of Crazy, which is uh, my memoir of debauchery, divorce, and all kinds of crazy deployments, <laughs> the three Ds of fun there. And then uh, and then the most recent was 100 Deli Skills Combat Edition. So, I mean, you did an awesome job on those. Everybody loves the art in all the books you've done for me, uh, to include myself, of course. I'm, I'm biased. I think they're badass. Well, they were both great projects to work on. A lot of fun. And it's funny how uh, we got together on those, you know, just out of, out of nowhere. You know, uh, a friend of mine called me and said that you were looking for an artist and I got in touch with you. The next thing you know, we're two books in. Yeah. Yeah. With more to come, um, which I need to talk to you about offline. Um, but yeah, you've you've kind of been around the block. But before we dig into uh, some of the more popular stuff like Batman and some of the other things you've worked on over the years and years. When I say years, it's been how many years you've been doing this? Uh, started professionally in 1979. Wow. You've been going. So over 40 years. 40 years in the comic industry. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's why you are who you are now and uh, the things you've worked on and just an awesome guy, awesome illustrator. And uh, to kick this off, I like to do these rapid fires. All right. So I'm going to throw some, uh, I'm going to throw some superhero super villains at you. And okay. uh, you got to pick which one wins, all right, based on uh, <laughs> powers or whatever the hell they got going on. You ready? Or my favorite, sure. Okay. And then we'll go through the list, and then we'll circle back around and talk why you pick, why you made your picks, okay? Okay. All right, here we go. Thor versus Superman. Superman. Mm. Iron Man versus Batman. Iron Man. Captain Marvel versus Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Black Widow versus Batwoman. Batwoman. 
All right, you're going to love this one. The Hulk versus Swamp Thing. Oh, that brings up a couple interesting worlds. Swamp Thing. All right. And then The Punisher versus Hawkeye. No, The Punisher would kick his ass. <laughs> All right. And then finally, Captain America versus Winter Soldier. Captain America. All right. So let's circle back around. Okay, so... Thor versus Superman, you picked Superman, right? Yes. Well, people people tend to underplay Superman's powers, but, you know, the guy can stand back a mile away and burn you with heat vision. So yeah. Thor, has, Thor has some great powers, but ultimately, if you, if you utilize all the powers that Superman has, heat vision, X-ray vision, the ability to be in outer space, I just feel like ultimately – if he used everything he's got, sooner or later, Thor is going to succumb to those powers. Yeah. What is Thor's like? Does Thor have a known weakness? I don't think he has. I could be wrong about this. I don't think he has necessarily a known weakness. The, you know, they call him a god, but technically he's just a guy from another dimension or planet, I guess. Yeah, he's and, just like Superman. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. like Superman, but he's not quite as strong. Okay. I just... Superman really wanted to, if he let go, he could burn right through him with a, that heat vision. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't even have to fight him. Just does it from a distance. Yeah. He's just, he's usually, he's too nice a guy to do it. So I'm just yeah. assuming that this would be assuming that he let go of his morals and went for it. Ah, uh, yeah. Which Thor, he lets go. Of, he, he lets go. He has no problem letting go of morals on a regular basis. Yeah, he's, so he's pretty he much kinda... ready to fight at all times. So this would be sort of psycho Superman. I think he could do it. <laughs> Psycho Superman. There was a Superman. What series was it where Superman kind of went to the dark side for a for a bit? Was that a or was that just Hollywood? I, I think that was more of a Hollywood thing. Oh, One of the okay. movies where he get, he goes a little dark and he fights fights the uh, the rest of the uh, the DC superheroes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. That was just uh, that was just Hollywood. I didn't know if that was actually in series or not. Okay. Yeah. Superman would be my pick too. Superman is, uh, I mean, as growing up, like that was like, as a kid, I went, that's when the first like really badass Superman movies came out, you know, uh, late seventies, Christopher Reeves and went and saw that first one. And then I was hooked as a kid. I remember saving literally my pennies, 200 pennies to, so and I walked down to the local Seven Eleven. And gave them 200 pennies for a $1.99, like, dedicated Superman magazine that just had images from the movie in it. And then my dad and I actually put together a Superman model. We painted it. You know, you put it together, then you paint it, and you took all this time. And I remember taking that thing to school for show and tell. It was like, I, I was so proud of that thing. But ultimately, you know, I don't know a, a little kid who doesn't want to be a superhero when they grow up. And I'd have to say it probably put me on the path in some form or fashion to going in the military and becoming a SEAL, which is, you know, really is about as close as you can get to any of those, uh, any of those superpowers, you know, until they get these exoskeletons squared away, then we'll be wearing those and we'll all be Iron Man, you know? Yeah. You'd be more like Iron Man. <laughs> yeah. Not Superman, I, I still, but you know, <laughs> I still love that first, uh, 1970s Superman movie. And I think that Christopher Reeve was a great Superman. Still my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. I, he, I mean, yeah, he's my favorite, but I, I, I feel like, uh, Calvin, is that his name? Calvin, the new, uh, the new guy from England, um, certainly played a good role and, uh, a guy oh, that, yeah. great. yeah, he, I mean, he almost looks like Christopher Reeves in some of the shots. He does. He does. Yeah. A bit, yeah. yeah. And, um, Interesting, like, you know, six degrees to Kevin Bacon kind of thing, but it's six degrees to SEAL Team 3 is when I was there, uh, we had this guy, his name is Mark Twite, and he's one of the co-founders of CrossFit. But before CrossFit, he was coming to military commands and doing uh, like mountaineering type classes. Um, he's an alpine guy, and he can literally pack up a, a bag of nuts and blueberries and then just run up a mountain. <laughs> it doesn't really take anything else with him. He's a hard, hard man. But Mark Twite also happened to be the guy that trained um, all the folks, all the guys in um, 300, got them all in shape for that. 
you know, to look like, you know, Spartans. And then he also trained, uh, that actor Calvin, the Superman, uh, for his role and, uh, got mm. him all jacked up for that. But, uh, anyway, yeah, just, uh, Superman's cool. And I would have, uh, definitely picked him as well. Okay. Enough with the trivial stuff. Okay. So now we did Iron Man versus Batman. Your pick well, was Iron Man. I mean, Iron Man. Yeah. And yeah it's your- a, a high tech metal suit and, and Batman as much as, and I love Batman. He's one of my original favorite superheroes. I've drawn a lot of Batman comic books over the years, but I mean, how, how is he going to, how is he going to fight that guy in that suit? You know, yeah. and, and Iron Man suit gets more and more technologically advanced every year. So I just feel like even though, I, I love I love my Batman stuff, but I, I feel like he's just going to be outgunned. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Iron Man would crush him because he has yeah. so much like so many capabilities that are inherent to the suit, whereas Batman has a lot of capability, but they're in the form of different toys and stuff that he has to leverage in certain ways in order to make it all work. End of the day, he's a guy you know, running around town with, with a couple of cool things. And, and Iron Man is ba- basically he's wearing stealth technology on his body. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. that's kind of a hard thing to beat. Yeah. And it goes like hypersonic speeds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you can't beat him, you're definitely not going to catch him. No. Um, so, yeah. And also with that, I mean, who's today's versions of these guys? So you got Elon Musk would definitely be one of, which one would Elon Musk be? Would he be Batman or would he be Iron Man? Oh, I hate to credit him with either one of those. <laughs> I, I suppose that that if we we're going to give him anything, it's probably more Iron Man. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too, because he definitely can create some pretty badass technology that's uh, yeah, taken over all the world. About the tech, so. He would be a, like a stoned high version of Iron Man, right? I don't know that he'd be flying straight. But right? you know, at least Tony Stark as a character is is a kind of a faulted human being, and and Elon Musk yeah. is definitely kind of a faulted human being. We all are. Right. Uh, so that makes him more like Tony Stark and, and Bruce Wayne, his faults as a character are very different. He's, he's so focused on doing the right thing for his city. That's a very different kind of person. Yeah. And I don't know that there's a billionaire that is like that in our real world. Is there? I don't, I don't think so. I think that's more of an, a writer's affectation, something that doesn't yeah. really in the world. It, it sounds awesome, but it doesn't seem like there's anybody like that. No. Yeah, it doesn't exist. The more money you get, probably the worse you become. So, <laughs> it seems like <laughs> you're listening to Can You Survive This Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Please make sure to subscribe, rate, and share on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite shows. Stick around to hear about Swamp Thing, Batman, and other badass characters we've all grown up with after the break. Now we did Captain Marvel versus Wonder Woman. You picked Wonder Woman. I did. And only because I feel like Captain Marvel is, he's, he's powered by um, a variety of gods. And, and Wonder Woman is a goddess, basically. Uh, I feel like he's too nice to beat her. I think he would let her win. Yeah. Well, here is the, now this is where it's going to go sideways for me. You you know the background of Captain Marvel, right? Hollywood yes. portrayed it as a female, hot, a hot blonde, right, flying around in the movie. Oh, remember there's there's okay. Oh, oh wait a minute. Okay, we're we're actually talking about two different characters here. I I always <laughs> I always go back to the character that's called Shazam. That's the original Captain Marvel. Oh, I immediately went to Shazam. You're talking about the Marvel Captain Marvel, right? Okay, now I got to pull back for a minute. You're talking about Marvel's Captain Marvel, the female Captain Marvel. Let me yeah. let me Was it always me, so was it always a female or is that something that oh, no, once no, again Hollywood no. twisted? So you do you know the uh, the DC character Shazam? He, yeah. They had come out about him a few years back. Um guy in a big red suit. Yeah. With the uh, uh flash down his chest. Uh that's the original Captain Marvel that DC owns. Gotcha. But Marvel, so that's a 1940s superhero. God, I'm a nerd. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's why some of this stuff, I'm always like, well, I'm not really, I'm only hitting the surface layer stuff because that's what most people know is because of DC movies and Marvel movies. Yeah, so, uh, 
but Marvel owned the copyright to the, the uh, Captain Marvel name when DC brought this character back. So then they just called him Shazam. Ah, um, all right. That's why I got, I got confused because in my mind, the <laughs> yeah. original Captain Marvel is Captain Marvel, but that's Shazam. So you're okay. talking about Marvel's Captain Marvel. Okay. So let me wrap my head around that one. Yeah. Marvel's Captain Marvel versus Wonder, Wonder Woman. Woman. Yeah. Uh, Marvel's Captain Marvel, she, she would definitely win that one. Okay. Because he's almost like all powerful now. Yeah, um, she is. She's she is powered by which of which of the infinity stones? I think that's she's got a blast from one of those infinity stones and that's yeah, why she, she's she's got cosmic power now based on based on that last movie. Yeah, I don't know who could beat her. So yeah. yeah. I mean, right now. Yeah, I mean I thought it was funny when she's she's not only using Captain America's shield and she's also picking up Thor's hammer, like, yeah, okay, boys. Are we done yeah, measuring well, dicks now? <laughs> yeah. You've got the biggest one in the Marvel universe right now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> okay. Uh, now these are two, I think two mortal earthlings, black widow versus Batgirl. And you picked Batgirl, Batgirl. I think, I think they would be relatively evenly matched uh, in terms of uh, abilities. Batgirl usually has, a lot of uh, tech with her. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to choose the character that usually is carrying more weaponry. So okay. Yeah. In this case, I'm going to go with a character who's got more. She, she like Batman, carries a lot of stuff on her belt. So. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to give her the edge there. All right. Yeah. Well, and plus she's American, right? And yes. Black, Black Widow is a Russian. So, you know. So we'll, yeah, we'll go with the- <laughs> when in doubt, pick red, white, and blue. There you uh, go. Okay. Now you're now the, yeah. Now one of your uh, all time favorites, you got the Hulk versus swamp thing. You pick some swamp thing. Uh, the Hulk is, is tough to beat. Yeah. Um, but He's nuclear. Swamp is, is, I mean, the Hulk can pound almost anybody into the ground. Right. But the swamp thing is, uh, essentially immortal. That would that be like trying to beat the planet. Uh, the, the Swamp Thing is one of DC's elemental creatures. In other words, he's connected to everything that's green on the planet. So you could you could break that body into little bits, and he's still going to come back. Yeah. So the Hulk could rip him up. And one of the things that people don't explore with the Swamp Thing is if he wanted to come back as a uh, a spore in your ear and grow into your head and explode your head. He technically, he could do that. Oh, damn. They don't do that with him all the time. But the reality of that situation is that if, if you're, if you control all green elements of the earth, you are undefeatable. Yeah. Yeah. Even unless you just light the, unless you light the whole globe on fire. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You'd have to destroy the entire planet. But even then, if you're part of, let's say, mushrooms and things like that, that's what's going to live through. That's what's going to survive our planet. We can we can destroy ourselves and everything related to us. Yeah. But fungi and mushrooms are still going to be here. Right. I like that but spore man. idea, man. So like he could probably I mean, like a Superman, you put it, the spore goes into Superman's ear. You could just blow Superman's head up. Yeah. I mean, what's what's good? What's stronger, really, than fungus and i mean if we're in the middle of a pandemic we can't beat this stuff you know all we can do is hold hold it at bay that's right that's why i keep telling people you can't outrun mother nature she will catch you and she will bang you to death um yeah. okay swamp thing yeah damn that's pretty cool okay uh all right here's a, yep punisher versus hawkeye and you're like punisher punisher would just crush him right uh, there's no, i mean punisher is just going to kick his ass hawkeye is okay but you know uh, yeah, Punisher, especially the way he's been portrayed in the last several years. Uh, d- did you watch the Punisher TV series? Yeah, yeah, oh, awesome fights in that. Uh, when he breaks up, uh, the one jail fight where uh, uh, they have all the jail cells open up and he's got to fight his way off. That's so <laughs> yeah. well choreographed. It was such a good fight scene. That is, yeah, and he—that's he, where it's just a battle of wills. Who's got the most like? I mean, that's just, that's all heart, that's will, that's soul that keeps him alive. Yeah, It's just awesome stuff. So I'm going with the Punisher there, partly also because I've always loved the Punisher. Got a chance to do a couple of really great Punisher stories over the years. So yeah, Yeah. personal thing going with him. 
Right. I figured that much. That's awesome. All right. Last one we we threw at you. Captain America versus Winter Soldier. You went with Captain America. Uh, you got to go with the original on that one. Nobody, yeah. Nobody's going to beat Cap one-on-one. That's right. I'm with you. I think, uh, and, but I think Captain America and, and Superman are a lot alike in terms of their values and they don't push the limits of what they have because of that internal moral code that we already discussed and where winter soldier, you know, we know that he'll just go all the way. Well, he's a, he's a confused individual because of his origin. Uh, And captain America has that absolute moral compass that he never deviates from. Yeah. And I think that gives him a kind of inner strength. That's, that should be the basis of the character. He was captain America, by the way, was the first, superhero that i really locked into the first comic book that i ever bought for myself was an issue of captain america i re- i remember that very vividly i was maybe eight years old and picked up a copy of that and i was like it was the first time captain america came back in the modern era modern era 1964 or something like that did you keep and I that picked one? it up and i took it home and it was the return of captain america and i said to dad wow this is great who's captain america and he had to explain it to me and i was hooked from there on in yeah. So that was your inspiration. That's what started yeah. it all for you. Yeah. Kind of like Absolutely. Superman was for me. Now, did you keep that, that edition? Do you still have it? I wish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to say. I do have a copy of it that I picked up a couple of years later. Subsequently, I've got a, a very beat up old copy of it. So I've got it, but uh, it's not worth anything. It's what they call a reader's copy, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so ripped up that it's, it's really worth nothing, but uh I pull it out every once in a while and carefully open the pages. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, crumbling. I wish I would have kept some of my stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So now let's get more into illustrating. You know, you, you've been illustrating for 40 years. You've obviously done a lot of a lot of the characters I just put you through. To include, you've invented a couple of, uh, what's your most famous super, super villain? Uh, without a doubt, the Black Mask. The Black Mask, created- yeah. With uh, Doug Mensch um, in uh, Batman, so that was that was 35 years ago now, um, and that was my first issue of Batman. So right out of the gate, first time I got to draw Batman, I did a like a 12 issue run in uh, 1985, and uh, we had this idea to create the supervillain for Batman. I had no idea that he was going to take off and, and become like one of the great Batman villains, you know, you do stuff like this. It's like, Hey, I got an idea. Uh, Doug is like, it's going to be like this really cool Gothic uh, film noir kind of villain. And like, yeah, let's do it. And, and we created him and, and we did two, a two issue origin story for the black mask. And now he's in games and he's in movies and TV shows. And it's like, how did that happen? This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is way cool. I mean, and the other piece to, I mean, so the most current one that I, it's, it's a couple of years old now is birds of prey, right? came out. Was that right. last year or two years uh, ago? Well, that, that was right at the beginning of the pandemic because I got invited to the premiere in London and then it was like, oh, can't go. <laughs> oh, that's can't right. Go. Yeah. I remember that. So yeah, I guess that's two years ago now. Wow. Seems like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that, uh, that's Harley been, Quinn and going awesome. head to head, right? I'm sorry. Harley Quinn is the character and going, going head to head with, uh, or what? No, she was, a, a, a aligned with uh black mask, right? Yeah. 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 <clears throat> yeah. Uh, that's super cool. So that's your, and then you, your influence on swamp thing. Where, tell us about that. Well, um, I've probably over the years, the first issue that I ever did a swamp thing was, 1981, I think. And uh, my wife, Jan, and I, well, Jan is also a comic book artist. We really started at the same time, 1979. And we, in fact, we met at the Kubert School, which is a school that trains people to work in this business. So mm. uh, we've been together all that time. And sometimes we work in the same projects together. So we're walking around San Diego Comic-Con and a writer that we know came up to us and said, hey, you guys want to do an issue of the Swamp Thing? This is when we're, you know, pretty, pretty fresh out of the uh, barrel there. So we're like, yeah, absolutely. We'd love to do that. So that was my first issue of the Swamp Thing. Jen and I did it together. Oh, nice. So, and just recently, uh, last year, uh, I wrapped up a set of short stories for the Swamp Thing, eight pagers with uh, a writer named Phil Hester. So 
I've done over the years, I've got a longer run on Swamp Thing than anything else. If you if you look at it in terms of years, so 40 years of Swamp Thing stories. Um, and I, I love the character. If there is uh, if there's any other character that I've worked with longer in in uh, in terms of issues, it's the Spectre. You can see, am I pointing the right way? There's yeah. the Spectre right, right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you, and I've got some of you sent me some of uh, some Spectre art as well, along with Batman and some some stuff you signed for me, which is just badass. Uh, so, you know, there's a couple of characters you end up doing a, a lot of work with, and then you go to when you go to conventions, people always ask you for particular sketches. I'm, I'm always throwing. The Spectre and Batman and Swamp Thing, those have become my uh, my go-tos. Those are the ones that people remember me for, which is great. Oh, and the Martian Manhunter, too. Yeah. Um, and sometimes people will say, well, don't you ever get tired of drawing these guys? I'm like, no, I love drawing them. This is what uh, the fact that I got to do this at all. It, you know, I set out to draw these uh, comics and, and the fact that people love it. It's fantastic. I, I, I'm, I'm thrilled that people care at all that I did this and and, and continuing to do it. More with the creator of Black Mask, Tom Mandrake, after this break. Well, I got to say, I think they're morale boosters for, you know, I mean, you look at like Black Panther and what that did, not just here in America, but globally and in Africa itself. It like, it's such, I mean, superhero, supervillain, that whole world is like an inspiring almost requirement these days, almost anywhere that you live. Right. I mean, it, you watch any one of those movies, the good versus evil. And, um, and then the adventure that you're kind of put on with the ups and downs, the roller coaster of, you know, whether, uh, who's going to win. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's, you're, you're molding all these kids and, uh, and for those that don't go to church and don't have moral ethical ground given to them or, or that compass given to them, it's, I mean, you look at superhero movies and it, it kind of is a guiding curriculum and at least defines what's good and what's bad, even though it's done at a superhero, supervillain level, you know, it's pretty cool. Well, there, there are gods and, and, uh, demons like ancient cultures had their stories you know you yeah you count stories about morals in in these stories about these overblown characters and you know just like you had your feelings about superman when you were young and i had my epiphany with captain america as as a boy uh, these these stories absolutely have value and when when people come up and and they have their treasured copies of these books that they love i completely understand because i have the same thing yeah, uh, I, I have books I absolutely love, and you, you hand them over to the author. It means a lot to you. It, it means a lot to them, and uh, that's that's the greatest thing in the world. When somebody says, you know, I loved this book when I was a kid, and I still have it. You can't really ask for more than that as a creator. No, you actually, not at all. You touch somebody with the work that you did, and you got paid for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not a bad deal. And I yeah. just find it, I find it always so interesting, the character development with these guys. Like, it's so deep. I mean, the movies and the TV shows don't even touch the depth that's in, of thought that's put into these characters that you guys, I mean, that is, that's the amazing part, you know, that you're, you're, it's so detailed. I mean, people probably don't even know the half of it, right? Well, the amount of time that, the creators will sit and discuss the nuances of these characters. I worked with John Ostrander on uh, several projects with Spectre, Martian Manhunter, the Spectre we spent five years on. And, you know, you, you sit down and discuss how these characters interact. And it's, it's hours and hours of discussion before you even sit down and do the work. And you're not doing that because uh, there's any requirement to. You can just bat out issues, I suppose, if you wanted to. You, you do this kind of work because you love it. Yeah. Uh, and, and that means you're gonna you're gonna get so involved in it uh, that you spend the extra time because uh, you you got involved in it because somebody else did something that you loved and you want to recreate that feeling for somebody else. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. That that's what it does for me. And I kind of, when it comes to character development, what I related to as a kid was Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Because the depth that you go into each one of the characters so that you know its strengths and its weaknesses and, 
you know, who can defeat who and, you know, and, and that's really what it's a battle of is it's a battle of creation, like, you know, it putting all those elements together to hopefully build the better, you know, whatever you want to call it character, you know? So it's the world building that's fun. Yeah. Creating characters and it's like, you know, you've got Batman, but then you've got Gotham city and, and what's underneath Gotham city and what's around it and what's in the Batcave. That's all the great stuff that's, that we get to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. All right. Let's get into some good stuff here. Okay. Let's talk about, whether it's a superhero, supervillain of female origin, okay, you guys draw perfect asses, perfect <laughs> boobs. Like, what's going on there? Where did all that begin with this, uh, the small waistline and the voluptuousness of these uh, superhero women? Well, that um, <laughs> that is a requirement that goes back well before my time. And... Um, Th that idea of the uh, the cultural perfect female form, of course, it changes a little bit, you know, from time to time. Every five to ten years, that that gets tweaked a little bit. Um, but when you when I got into the business, I immediately was like, well, you know, you're not you're the women that you're drawing aren't quite right. Okay, now here's how you want to do it. So um, when you first start out, you're getting told you, you, your women aren't quite right. Now, Jan. Her, she she draws great women, and she was always helping me with mine when I first got started too, because <laughs> mine weren't up to snuff yet. Um, what does that mean? You you weren't drawing boobs big enough, asses round enough. What are you what are you talking about here? Um, in, in my case, the faces weren't quite right. Now you'll notice a lot oh, of times. Well, who cares in, about the face? You can get away with drawing <laughs> all kinds of different guys. Like you 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 can draw the Punisher, and his nose can be broken, and um, yeah, you can have like big. Uh, cauliflower ears and stuff. The guy characters can be very, very different one from the other. When you start changing the look of the women, people don't like that as much. And this is, I think, unfortunate because you should have uh, a variety of characters. And I've done books where we intentionally um, change the, the look of the female characters as much as the male characters. Um, I did a book with Dan Mishkin called Creeps where we made uh, – a set of characters where they were all as ugly as possible. The creeps were a group of superheroes <laughs> that were as ugly as we could make them uh, to just work against the norm a little bit. But yeah. the bottom line is um, for better or worse, people like to see pretty women in their comics. What yeah. are you going to do? Go with it. And when you're first starting out and an editor says, you have to draw prettier women, you say, okay, well, what does he mean? He means draw them the way everybody else does, and you and you fit that into your work. Now, when you're established, you can you can create more interesting, wider variety of characters. And in the last several years, I think that there's a wider variety of characters that you're allowed to do. I, I think back in the in the 80s and especially in the 90s, the the range of uh, characters that were accepted in the mainstream were a, a lot. It was a lot narrower. So th things are a little bit better now, but uh, mm. yeah, uh, the, re the reality is that there's always going to be a particular look that publishers are going for. And if you want to get work right off the bat, well, so you, you go along with it for a while until you're established. Yeah. Well, that all makes sense. And I, I you know, I kind of forget the reader, the majority of, I think comic book readers are males. Would you say yeah. that is a majority well, of your buyer, anybody who's really into it, a male? That was absolutely true for a long time. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely changing. Um, I think the, the female readership is much stronger now than it used to be. Mm -hmm. But there was, I mean, back in the 80s and 90s, they used to hand everybody this. <clears throat> it was, you know, draw oh, like the this. style guide. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of cool. That meant that, um, like, so if you as you're to... listening, he's kind of, he's showing a binder that is basically issued by DC comics that then you gives to... you the style oh, guide man. telling you exactly you what Wonder Woman. This is how you draw Wonder Woman. So, you know, you, you had a, a character basis to draw from. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, now, yeah. Her, that... Yeah. Her curves have definitely changed. Oh yeah. This, this is the, uh, uh, the late, 80s look for wonder woman oh, you can yeah, tell that that's an old school look right yeah well they just don't so, enunciate 
right? I mean, we're talking about shadows and lines. They're not enunciating right. cleavage back then. <laughs> yeah, not the, the, the really, the, the really extreme uh, big boobs and big ass that you're talking about yeah. came about in the 90s. Oh, okay. Everything got extreme and everything had an X in the front of it. Extreme this, extreme that. That was a big 90s thing. And a lot of people artistically uh, were, were working. Though I wasn't doing that. I had my own thing going. I was already established. I was working on a Spectre. Fortunately, you know, I, everybody, they were hiring me to be me or not at all. So, and that was great. I was fine with that. Yeah. Um, so that whole extreme thing sort of bypassed me. Okay. I gotcha. So you didn't, you kind of, yeah, you were already doing your own thing. So it didn't matter. For, for better or worse, I, for better, as far as I'm concerned, uh, people hire me for my work and I don't yeah. have to change files in order to get what, what I do, you know? Right, right. Yeah, no, it's all good stuff. I was just curious why, but I get it. You know, the, the, the industry started out with little boys with little boners. And so you had to draw, <laughs> you had to draw to that. I got it. Boys with boners. Yep. But it's especially true uh, when you were talking about main companies like Marvel and DC. I mean, they have to appeal to a very large audience. Now, um, when, when you're doing create your own stuff, or you're doing your own stuff and you're publishing your own work, then you can do what you want, you know? But it's like when Dan and I did Creeps and we decided we we're going to do our team of ugly superheroes, that's on us, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's kind of funny, though. Um, yeah, I mean, Hollywood would have a day with that. I mean, imagine the humor you could splice into a bunch of superheroes that are ugly, making fun of each other in a room, you know, in a, in a scene. It'd be awesome. <laughs> we tried. We haven't made any progress there yet, but you never know. <laughs> you never know. I mean, look at uh, black mask, right? Yeah. Coming around 30 something years later. And all of a sudden you're like, wait, what? <laughs> you know how it is when you, when you, create your own stuff you just keep pushing it and, and hope that something you know, I've, I've thrown a lot of projects out there over the years and you just keep hoping that at some point something's gonna snag right that's what i'm doing right now i'm doing a lot of creator own stuff still churning it out yeah so what is the latest what is your latest thing you'd like to push that you've been working on here i've lately? actually got a bunch of pages on the drawing board over here right now this is a project called demon 71 i know some of you so, um Demon yeah, 70 holding. is oh, a book yeah. of uh, a demon hunter. So you can see there's there's lots of uh, this going? Uh, lots of lots of demons, lots of uh, um, oh yeah, it looks good. Demon hunter, I, yeah, I could see that going. And it looks like uh, one of your demon hunters is a female, huh? That's right. So she's the, the concept is that her portal to hell is. A cherry red 71 ninth, uh, Impala. Um, nice. In fact, the, the poster for it is one of early concept drawing is back there on the wall. Oh, okay. Uh, that Impala to have a, uh, does it have a stock motor in it or you just put one of those LS1, LS2? Well, there's not actually a motor in it. Since a portal to hell, it looks like a 71 <laughs> Impala, but oh. it's motivated by demon power. <laughs> <laughs> So like rather it. than try and find a publisher for it, I've decided this summer I'm just going to sit down and and create this project, and uh, then I'll worry about finding a publisher afterwards. Maybe yeah. I'll self-publish. Uh, maybe I'll uh, ask you know I'll ask around and see what's happening. But you know it's something I've wanted to do for a while. I've had the script uh, for a year or two, and it's like I should I should just go ahead and do this right now while I've got the time. I think that's got legs for sure. That sounds pretty cool. Portal to hell, killing demons. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I'm just, you know, lean into my strengths and uh, the things that I like to do. Yeah. little yeah. treat for me. Right. Yeah, it's it's something. you got to that point now where you can just let your imagination drive the train and do the things you enjoy to keep, the, uh, to keep it going, right? Right. Yeah. That's so cool, man. So, well, all of your art, I mean, the stuff you did for me, the stuff I've seen that you've done over the years, the stuff you just showed us, I mean, it's all just incredible. Obviously, you are a master of your craft. But now, I want to see if you can survive this hypothetical survival scenario. More with Tom Mandrake after the break. 
What's going to happen to a cartoonist in, in the background? <laughs> okay, we'll That's right. Out. That's right. You know, I, I, you know, I don't know. You could do really well. I mean, it's all about you've, you've been doing stories of, uh, of survival between villains and heroes for so long that you actually probably do pretty good. So let's, uh, let's put it to the test. Okay. All right, here we go. And you might want to take notes and keep in mind that, uh, there might be two right answers, but the only right answer is the one that's on my sheet that circled the right <laughs> answer. <laughs> all right. So for this scenario, you have taken a trip to a cabin in the woods to get some inspiration for your next uh, project. The cabin's really nice, but the woods are kind of spooky, something that would probably exist in one of your comic books or graphic novels. You're all alone in this cabin. No wife, no daughter. Um, maybe you will see something out there that inspires your next set of illustrations. So you've been at the cabin now for a couple of days. You wake up one morning and decide to take a walk in the woods. The woods are south of the cabin, and the entrance to the forest is only about 50 feet from your cabin. You start walking towards the entrance of the woods when you realize you've left your cell phone and the charger in the cabin. So first question, do you A, continue on into the woods, find your inspiration for your next character, or go back in the cabin and grab the phone and proceed. Well, I would go back and get my phone because when I go out into the woods, I want to be able to take pictures because part of any, any reference or anything else that I do is I'm always seeing stuff in the woods that I want to remember. So I go back and get my camera. Yes. I mean, my phone. Yes, that is correct. Anytime you can have a form of communication with you, you should and make sure that it's always charged. And if you can bring, you know, pre-charged uh, backup batteries and all that good stuff, do that too. Why not? No matter how short term it is, you could uh, you could definitely have an injury 50 feet away uh, from something and still not be able to get to your phone. So it's better just to have it than not. See, I'm doing uh, it for the wrong reason, but it's the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <clears throat> you still pick the right answer. So we're moving on. Um, all right. So you walk south for a while and you're getting pretty far from the cabin now. Suddenly you slip on a rock, tumble down a hill, you hit your head and you're almost knocked out from the fall. You come to your senses, but now the sun is nearly gone and it's getting dark fast. All right. Your cell phone. Well, it has no service. Do you a start sprinting back in the direction you came or B collect some supplies and prepare to hunker down for the night. Sun's going down. I hit my head. <laughs> yeah. It's getting dark. Yeah. What's a, what time of the year is it? That's a good question. It's uh it's whatever time of the year you want. <laughs> if it's a summer, I'm not going to sprint. Right. But I would I would leisurely head back. If it's, yeah. if it's but, winter, I'm going to build, I'm going to build a shelter and stay. Okay. Well then let's say it's winter. All right. Then, then my tendency would be to, um, I like to have one, one of the, uh, those, uh, I don't have with me right now. One of those stick, the stick, you know, that starts fires. Yeah. Um, so I would, I would probably stay there and start a fire. Yeah. It's a chunk of magnesium usually. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, because it's yeah, because it's getting dark, you fell, and I think the key takeaway here is you hit your head, right? Yeah. So I'm, you kind of just need to sit still, make sure it's not some crazy concussion or something that can haunt you later, right? You can hit your head, and then an hour later get nausea, vomiting, and all kinds of issues, or or it can happen right after. So um, it's best not to be wandering around in the woods with a concussion, especially as it's getting dark. Um, so now you need to prepare and hunker down for the night. So you gather some materials and use exactly what you just said for a fire. So do you A, collect some dry pine cones, pine needles, and dry leaves, or collect some damp leaves and large logs? Well, I want dry stuff in order to start the fire. There you go. I want, to make, I, want, <laughs> I, want, I want smoke because I want, because uh, I'm by myself, but I want some, some smoke to... Maybe somebody will see it too. But I definitely right. want dry stuff to get it going. 
Exactly. You're kind of, yeah, you're, des- you're definitely getting hard. So large logs, I think right off the bat, don't just start. No, <laughs> they only start in forest fires. They do that. <laughs> but a forest fire always starts with a very small fire. Yeah. Um, so large logs would need to be split and cut. And then, of course, you know, there's, we've all tried that when we were kids. It doesn't work. <laughs> right. Um, pine needles and sticks coated in sap are highly flammable, right? Yeah. Sap is like a natural gasoline. Um, and the pine cones, of course, can create a lot of smoke if you're lucky. So a combination of all that is a much better uh, method. And, of course, starting a fire in itself can be challenging. But, you know, if you've got a lighter or anything, all right, these days, I mean, I love it when I see all these, like, EDC kits. It's uh, it's got the chunk of magnesium in it, which is great because it can get wet. It can, I mean, heck, you can break it and it'll still create spark for you. I only some... got that thing to start a fire one time, and it took it, it took forever, but it worked. You know? Yeah, right. It's better just carry a lighter. I mean, you got windproof ones, waterproof ones. I mean, just carry one. <laughs> Or you can just carry two big ones, and you're always you got one. One is you know one is none, and two is one, right? So just carry double of everything, you'll be good to go. Um, and then of course, actually starting a fire, you have to think in terms of like small to big, right? You got to start yeah. with small little kindling, and uh, it's got to be tiny, nice, thin. Obviously, it'd be nice if you had a knife, and you kind of. You can create a, a what's you know sometimes called a fire stick, which is taking a, a very small branch and you're actually cutting into the branch lengthwise, and you're creating like almost like a floral design of the tinder, but you're leaving it attached to the stick, right? So you've got the kindling and tinder that you're making, but it's all still you're not completely cutting through the stick in order to create uh, your tinder. But anyway. You uh, you want to start small and then obviously get a little bigger and a little bigger and a little bigger. And yes, before you know it, you'll have a pretty decent fire. Yep. Um, and once again, all these skills are in the uh, in the 100 Deli Skill books if you're interested. Um, or a YouTube video near you is also the most modern way of learning how to do anything these days. Um, all right. So... Fire burns upwards and uh, lighting from the lowest point obviously gives flame. You know, we all know the three components. You got to have spark, you got to have oxygen, you got to have fuel. Uh, and if you've got those three things, then you're going to have yourself a fire. Um, so there's no overstating the importance of tinder, which is like the pine needles, the brush, the dry leaves. These are the things that can basically embrace a spark and turn it into something more. Um, so there you go. All right. So far, so good, Tom. You're doing great. Um, with the fire going, you have accepted you are here for the night. So do you, A, curl up on the ground next to the fire and get some sleep, or B, build a lean-to next to the fire and then get some sleep? Well, I'm a little concerned about falling asleep after I hit my head, so I think I'll stay up for a while and build the lean-to and see how it goes. There you go. Yeah. And, uh, you know signs and symptoms of a of a a concussion are pretty straightforward right i mean any of the vertigo dizziness headache uh, nausea any of those kinds of things if you feel like any of that any of that's going on then it'd probably be better just to kind of relax for a moment but as long as you don't have any of those symptoms going on then you want to stay busy right and that's uh definitely one of the key components to survival is stay busy um so a lean-to is pretty simple. It's the most basic shelter that you can build. Uh, really, you could take a long branch, strip it of its little branches, and then cross it between two trees, and then you take a bunch of brush, lay it on one side. It creates like a half shelter, if you will, that you can tuck up under. It keeps the weather off of you, keeps, you know, it can potentially even, if you if you set it up right with the fire in place and everything, uh, you know, they'll definitely, that setup will uh, get you through the night, keep you warm, keep you dry, and keep some predators away. All right. Um, all right. So morning comes, you made it through the night. Now you need to figure out how to get out of there, right? Um, your cell phone still has no service and you need to get moving. Remember, the cabin is north because you were walking south. Do mm-hmm. you, A, climb a tree and see if you can see your way? 
from the higher vantage point, or B, observe several trees that are around you. Sometimes the answer is right in front of you on your cardinal bearing. So determine if you can see a pattern. If moss is growing on the same side of several trees, then move in the direction of the moss growth. Okay, so A, climb a tree, or B, follow the moss. Well, I don't think I don't think I want to climb the tree. I think I'm gonna <laughs> Yeah. I'm gonna follow the moss pattern, which I believe grows on the north side of the trees, right? That's right. Look at you. Yeah, I'm uh, gonna go back to the I'm gonna walk I'm gonna walk carefully back to the cabin. Yes. Now, generally speaking, moss grows on the north side due to the mosses uh, you know, it it loves to grow in the shade right? It's almost like a bacteria, you know, the darker, the warmer, the wetter, then of course, that's where it's going to grow. And moss can kind of be looked at that way in a forest. The darkest side is always the north side. Um, And the other key, and the reason I say general, because any guide out there that does this for a living will tell you that there is definitely moments when moss encapsulates a tree or it just doesn't exist. So, Um, which would be confusing. But generally speaking, if the conditions are right, you're going to notice moss on the north side of the tree. Okay. Um, You've been hiking in the direction you presume was north for a while now. And you want to be sure that you're heading in the right direction. Okay. So do you, A, turn back and walk the other way and see if you recognize any landmarks you may have missed, or B, Take more observation of tree growth and vegetation. Look for another pattern. If you see multiple trees that are all growing less branches and leaves on the same side, then you know that that side with less branches is likely facing north. So A, turn back and look for landmarks, or B, just look at the trees in a different way. Um, Is... I'm, I'm always looking for alternate versions. Is, am I, <laughs> the sun is rising and setting. Yeah, sun rises and sets. We know. We know, right? Rises in the east, sets in the so, west. That would that would also tell me that I was walking. I can see where the sun is rising and setting. So, or, or yeah, position of the sun. That is correct. Uh, yeah. Sometimes uh, in dense forests, triple canopy, all that kind of stuff, it's very difficult to determine that though. Uh, like you, there's some so, GPSs that don't even work in triple canopy or thin. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Um, <clears throat> I might backtrack a little bit if I if I think I've made a mistake, uh, and it it can be tough. I know in the forest sometimes this uh, this question about moss growing um, can be tricky. Again, in a, in a thick forest, moss grows on all sides of some trees. Yeah, yeah but it's I, all shade. I would backtrack a little bit if I thought I had made a mistake. Hmm. Um, okay, and then so, yeah, and then check for. Then, then I try again. I backtrack maybe a hundred yards, turn around, and try again. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, that's not exactly the answer I have on my sheet, but yep, that's fine. You're doing good, so you can you can take one loss, one hit. All right. Okay. Um, turning back will likely only get you maybe potentially more lost and waste some waste some valuable time. Right. We want to we want to solve this problem in the one day of di- daylight that you have and get back okay. home or back to the cabin. So. Um, trees, if you ever go outside and look at a tree, they are naturally lopsided, right? Meaning one side will be heavier with branch growth and leaves than the other. Mm -hmm. But you got to walk around that tree 360 in order to really see it. A lot of times they look perfect, but they, it's not, you know, um, and the side with the, the the side of the tree with the least branches and leaves the, the, the side that's not as thick, you know, is likely facing north, right? Because we know vegetation, um, because the sun rises in the east, sets in the west, we know the southern side of any tree, that's the side that's going to get in the most sunlight, right? And so that's where all the growth takes place. And that's why almost every plant or piece of vegetation is lopsided, because it's always trying to go towards the sun. So So I'll take um, a hit on that one. All right. Yeah, it's all right. Um, 
you are now you are now fairly certain that you're heading the correct direction, right? Because the moss, the leaves, and the branches, you put it all together. It's not just one answer you rely on in a survival situation. You really got to open up the aperture and look at everything, right? Um, and as you continue to walk, you come across several dead human bodies. Do you, A, investigate the bodies, checking them for IDs or functioning cell phones, or B, get the fuck out of there? <laughs> well, I didn't see them when I came away, so this is new. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's right up your alley, too, the whole comic world, so mm-hmm. prepare yourself. But I could definitely use a cell phone. I think I'd look for a cell phone. Yeah, I'd go for the cell phone. What the hell? I'm going for the cell phone. Am I dead? <laughs> yeah, well, okay. So we'll just, I think the the right answer will suddenly appear to you here in a second. But okay. we recommend you keep moving on this one. <laughs> keep going. All right. And there are several reasons not to mess with several dead corpse you find in the woods, such as they could be carrying disease. Uh or who or whatever killed them may be actually nearby uh, watching you at this point in time. Um, I guess uh, I should have asked how dead they were. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't want to mess with a potential crime scene. But let's face oh, it, you're trying point. to survive, so the crime scene is the least your worries. So, But in the end, you might want to just pick up the pace and keep on moving in this particular scenario. Luckily... You now see the edge of the forest, and your cabin is just beyond. So you made it back out of the forest. Congrats on that, okay? Um, You're on your way, and you're approaching the cabin, and you uh, are about 30 feet from your cabin when you hear a groan. You look back, and the dead bodies have uh, reanimated and appear to be zombies coming your direction (laughs) all right so do you run towards the back of the cabin where your car is parked about 60 feet away or b just get inside which is 30 feet away car cabin car i'm going for the car Yeah, okay, well, you know, we'll uh, we'll let the... Uh... You know, I watched Night of the Living Dead. It's the first <laughs> zombie movie ever. If you go in the house, then they just surround the house, and eventually you die. So I'm going for the car. Going for the car. Okay. Um, yeah, so we're going with go inside the cabin in order to make this scenario <laughs> a little more entertaining. <laughs> All right. The entrance to the cabin is much closer, and plus your keys to the car are inside. When you oh, left, crap. you only went car with your cell phone. Oh, man. All right. yeah, You're right. You forgot, you forgot about I left that. my car keys. Classic so, mis- anyway, well, you take the hit. That's two. It's only two. <laughs> I'm you dead. only missed two, okay? I'm a zombie. That's right. So, so, uh, so you run inside. The zombies are coming your way and almost at the entrance of the cabin. Do you, A, search the house for weapons? B, block the door first. Well, I'm going to block the door now that, uh, yeah. now that yeah. I'm in there. And there's an important talk takeaway here. Barricading a door. There is a right and a wrong way. A lot of times what you see in TV or even, heck, even the comic world, you barricade a door, you stack stuff up. It's like stacking just stuff against it. Uh, but the reality is if you really want to keep somebody out, especially a zombie or an active shooter, you want to uh, align the furniture from the door linearly from the door all the way across the room to the opposing wall. And as long as everything is stacked in line with one another, nothing is opening that door, right? Because you're using the opposing wall to really reinforce the furniture that is then in intimate contact with the door itself. So no one can push it open. Um, So you do it the right way. Weapons are important, but you just need to stop them from getting inside first. Um. So now you've uh, put your chain of furniture together. Once you block the door, you find a baseball bat, you grab your keys. You sneak out of the back, and you get into your car, right? Before you get in the car, you encounter a couple of zombies, all right? Which 
you bash in their skulls and you do a good job. They, they basically like explode when you hit them. Um, now that you've made it into your vehicle, you floor it and you mow down a couple of zombies along the way. All right. So last question. Okay. Do you a get on the highway? Don't stop driving until you are far, far, far away <laughs> or B go to nearby military base that you noticed when you were driving in. Now, I think I've watched. Go I know you've watched some mili- some some uh, some zombie movies. So, <laughs> I love a good zombie movie. Yes, uh, I think I'd go to the military base. So the zombies equipped with body armor and guns. <laughs> well, where, where this, let me ask you a question: Were the zombies dressed in military gear? Well, I mean, in the movies, anytime they go to the base, all of a sudden it's zombies with. <laughs> But uh, just in case the base was infected with zombies, you don't want to get caught up with a bunch of trained personnel turned zombie. Uh, so for this one, we recommend you just keep on going keep and get going? as far away okay. from humans as possible. <laughs> now, I would also ask, what kind of zombies are they? I mean, there's 36 different kinds of zombies. Did you know that? There there's, are. There's, there's, fast... there's a lot of different kinds of zombies. Yeah, there's, there's fast twitch, slow twitch. There's the virally infected ones. Oh, I hate those. I hate the fast viral zombies. They're the worst. Right. That's the ones that were in, uh, what was the one with Brad Pitt, where those things would run full speed? 28 Days Later, where they're like sprinting around and biting people? Yeah. I Uh, I hate those zombies. I think the one with Brad Pitt was uh, X or Zombie X or X, X. I don't remember, but it was a really good one. And uh, those things move like the speed of light. <laughs> and those yeah. are the worst kind of zombie. Uh, or the ones that were in, um, what was Will Smith? That was a great zombie movie. Oh, that was um, that was uh, the one based on uh, The Last Man on Earth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and there's, there's three different God. versions of that. Uh, one anyway. Of at least uh, those no, had was, a weakness. They couldn't come out into the sun like vampires yeah, or something. They're, they're almost like vampires. Yeah. Uh, vampire it's like zombies. a crossover vampire uh, zombie movie. That's, that is a good one and a great story too. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's timeless because you can watch that and the CG is done just right in that one. Yeah. And I, I also enjoyed the fact that in the background when he was in downtown area, there was a billboard that was a clue that the Batman versus Superman movie was coming out. Did you remember that? Yeah. 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 And uh, I don't know if anybody else caught that, but there was all kinds of clues in uh, in that movie. What the hell was the name of that movie? Um, and, uh, and there's three versions of that. That, yeah. that one, one with Charlton Heston and one with Vincent Price, uh, The Omega Men and The Last Man on Earth. And the one with Will Smith, it's the one I can't think of the, the title for. <laughs> yeah. Everybody based- else is saying it out loud as they listen to this right now. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. All based on the same great short story. Um, yeah. Wow. Well, see, you know the history. See, I'm, I'm dumb. I, I wouldn't know that there was a short story to begin with. <laughs> I just thought it was a movie with a great script. Um, well, hey, Tom, man, where, where can people find you? Maybe even buy some of your art. What's, what's your main kind of place online for people to go and learn well, more about you all of my social media is just under my name you know on twitter uh and uh, instagram and uh, uh my uh, uh website tommandrake.com um and and that's pretty much it right now i actually uh temporarily closed my art sales on tommandrake.com but they'll be open again in a couple of months I, i've got to reorder my uh, my original art, which is in a big mess right now. So that'll be, that'll be up and running again. I'll be selling stuff on uh, heritage auctions in, in a while, but I kind of took taking a couple of months off from that while I catch up on my commissions and things and, and get um, uh, demon 71 done. But that's basically where, you know, they can keep track of me on uh, Instagram and uh, Facebook all just under my name, you know, like everybody else, I just keep it simple. All right. Awesome. Yeah. So Tom Mandrake, um, on all social platforms. And then if you're already following me or you're following the podcast, you know, I'm following Tom. So that's also the easy list. You just go look at who I'm following. You'll see him on there and, uh, give him a follow, check out his art. He's always posting great stuff. Uh, and you know, look out for, uh, demon 71, which, uh, that sounds pretty badass. I'm looking forward to it as well. 
I'm, I'm hoping that I'll be, have that out sometime, you know, towards the end of next year. Okay. Well, 2022 project. Yeah. Well, we're looking forward to it, Tom. I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on the show. And uh, oh, well, thanks you. so much. It's a lot of fun. I'm a zombie now, but I did my best. <laughs> well, you, you, you did survive this podcast. So I congratulate <laughs> you. Good job. And uh, for those of you listening, you know, like I always say, keep it simple because uh, crisis will complicate the rest. And until next time, be safe out there. Can You Survive This Podcast is a production of Calvary Audio and iHeartMedia. Recorded live from a secure location here in Dallas, Texas. Produced by Brandon Morgan, Jeff Apple, and Clint Emerson. Executive produced by Keegan Rosenberger and Dana Brunetti. For Calvary Audio, I'm Clint Emerson.